So the first thing I want to talk about, oh, excuse me. <clears throat> Tiv mentioned, oh my god. Oh. I don't know what's wrong with me today. <clears throat> Hot. Okay. Welcome, welcome, welcome to Truthless, a sarcastic Stormlight podcast, where we have an unfiltered discussion of Brandon Sanderson's Stormlight archives. We go light analysis and heavy on the hot takes. Thanks for joining us today. I am Anthony, and I'm, as always, joined by my trusted friend and co-host, Josh. How are you doing today, Josh? I'm doing great today, Anthony. Um, I spent all day doing nothing after a long couple weeks of exams. That is great. So it was a nice treat for me to, after a long day of nothing, to be able to sit back, relax, and talk to you about these awesome books. That is pretty exciting. I'm in high spirits myself because I just got my vaccination appointment. Ooh, congrats. Yeah. Big deal. Yeah, I was actually vaccinated on Monday. Hey, I don't think I heard that. So we're kind of twinning. Yeah, my I have, so I have my follow-up in a couple weeks. Congratulations. But yeah, very exciting. Cool. I love it. So, anyway, Stormlight. Last time, we only made it through Chapter 3 somehow. We spent a long time on Chapter 3 of The Way of Kings. We were introduced to Shallon, a naive girl from a faraway land who travels to Carbranth on a mission to save her family from financial disaster. Today, we'll be covering chapters 4 and 5, where we finally get to catch back up with our boy Kaladin, and then we'll head back over to Shallon in chapter 5 as she takes the next step of her journey. Yes, and uh, I will be giving the summary for chapter 4, The Shattered Plains. Mm. So, um, unless you have any announcements, I'd say we should just jump right into it. As always, feel the necessity to remind that we will do our best to keep it spoiler-free, mm-hmm. but we're imperfect, so no promises. Yes, and one more thing uh, right before we start. I would just like to thank all of you so much for tuning in to us. Um, The reception was amazing. We never expected to get nearly as many listeners, at least so quickly as we did. So um, from the bottom of our hearts, thank you so much for tuning in. uh, And we hope that we can continue to be hopefully as entertaining as before. Yeah, honestly, I agree. It's really touching, and it makes us both very happy. Yes. Um, This is the first one we're recording since we launched, so thank you to all of you, and we're excited to move forward with this journey. Yes, and journey before destination. Oh. Can't forget that, Anthony. Bars. Yeah. But, okay, chapter four, The Shattered Plains. So, this chapter starts off with Kaladin having a short little conversation with Seal, um, the windspren we met last time. And it turns out that um, Tivlakiv, or however we decided to pronounce it, is actually has gotten a little turned around. So he's kind of talking to Kaladin, and Kaladin actually goes and rips up Tivlakiv's map like a total boss. Uh, and they get into sort of uh, a bit of an argument, um, and it's all sort of banter in between them. And af- after a period of time passes, and it seems they're back on track. And they arrive at the Shattered Plains, which is a large encampment of the giant Alethi army at the edge of a massive area of land called the Shattered Plains, which is essentially a large, uh, open sort of rock precipice filled with massive chasms. So it's a very interesting little area. 
Okay, my first note on this chapter is that even as you went through that description, the way we're pronouncing Tavlakov's name is yeah. degenerating by the moment. Yeah. Maybe we should we should come up with that. In my notes, I just wrote T. Yeah. I, I mean, I have no idea how to spell that. Okay, we should come up right now with a consistent way to pronounce it. Tiv? Tiv? All right, we'll just say Tiv. You just give them all nicknames? Yeah. Cool. Yeah, all of the Thalen. All right, Tiv. There we go. I love it. So the first thing I want to talk about in this chapter is the epigraph. This one is actually sort of a big deal. I, I read this, and I'm not going to give anything away, but if you've read through the end of this book, you'll realize that it's a little different than some of the other epigraphs you get, and it was a little shocking to see this particular subject matter in the epigraph. I don't want to talk about it too much, but it was just of particular note. That is something, like, you know, it's like, oh, if you've read the books, like, that's super interesting, right? But for a first-time reader, like, I've mentioned this before, but I just, I'd skip over it. It doesn't mean anything to me. And while, you know, it's cool, as, a, as you know, a second-time reader or whatever, I just feel like there's, if you're a first-time reader, it's like, oh, something else that doesn't make any sense. Great, chalk it up on the tally board. <laughs> We're four chapters into this book, and they've already mentioned so many names that I can't pronounce, and so many places, and a bunch of just random sentences, and it's like, ugh. I guess it's just a, a little nugget for us podcasters yeah. to go back over and enjoy. But yes, um, so we start off with, you know, a nice little conversation with Seal. And so actually, Anthony, do you pronounce it, how do you pronounce Seal? Do you pronounce it Sill? I say Sill, yeah. Hmm, I don't know, is it, I guess if we had any entomologists out there. <laughs> actually, wait, is entomol? is that the pronunciation of words? Entomology? That is yeah. a word, I don't know what it means. Huh. Okay. Um, that's another thing. Last episode, I told you not to Google about snake teeth. This time, don't <laughs> Google entomology and assume it means uh, the pronunciation of words. Hey guys, it's Editing Anthony, and there are a couple things to break down here. First and foremost, no one is allowed to tell Josh that the proper pronunciation of the word pronunciation is actually pronunciation. That'll just be our little secret, alright? Next... Past Anthony is a fool for saying he didn't know what entomology is. I obviously know what entomology is. It's the study of bugs, and I definitely didn't have to look that up. The word we were looking for is etymology, which Wikipedia defines as the study of the history of words. The word we actually should have used is linguistics, which is the study of language and includes things like phonetics and pronunciation. Clearly, neither of us are entomologists, etymologists, or linguists. Now, back to the podcast. Um, so would there, is that like a soft Y or like a hard Y? Knowing us, we're both wrong, and it's probably Sile or some other crazy nonsense. Oh, yeah. But yeah, um, he has a nice little conversation with Seal where she talks about how all the other slaves cry at night, and Callan is just like, I don't cry, I'm too cool for that. My hate keeps me strong. The edginess is consistent. Mm -hmm. And something as we go along in this book, Syl is sort of like new to the world. It's like she's waking up and is coming to terms with modern life. And she has all these really like cute, meaningful quotes. And that's one of them. Like, everyone else is crying. Why don't you? And it's just like, oh, you poor summer child. You don't understand how edgy Kaladin is yet. <laughs> but yeah, so, the, you know, they're talking and Seal is asking a million different questions um, but then the wagons just kept on going until past noon, and Kaladin wonders, why haven't they stopped yet? And it turns out Tiv has become lost. And Kaladin, 
offers a nice little helpful comment. He says, Lost, Tiv, perhaps you should pray to the Almighty for guidance. I hear he has a fondness for slavers. Keeps a special room in damnation just for you. Yeah, I know. It's funny. Oh, he's so sassy every moment. Mm-hmm. Tiv then goes over and is holding the map. And Calden's like, yeah, I know this place. Give me the map. I'll show you where to go. And this idiot slaver hands him the map. And he immediately shreds it into pieces. He's takes him two seconds. And he says, happy Middlefest, you bastards. And then he, after he says that, so he rips up their maps, says happy, calls them bastards, and then just turns around and sits like off in the corner. He's like, yep, fuck you. Now I'm going to go sit and do nothing. It's hilarious. Yeah. And and then um, Tiv actually mentions for his mercenaries, he's like, all right, you know, go beat the crap out of this guy or whatever. And both mercenaries are like, nah, we're good. That was easily my favorite part of the chapter. Yeah. <laughs> like, he's a slave in a box, and neither of them are willing to go take the chance to beat him up because he's so intimidating. He's also 19. Yep, not worth it. This 19-year-old uh, is 7 foot 10 tall, <laughs> just ripped up the map, uh, and, you know, we're just going to let it go. Something we may have skipped over, but I did want to touch on. Oh, yeah, it's, it's my meteorological hot take of the day. So, Ooh, we can't, we can't go an episode without having a meteorology slash geology anecdote. Obviously not. Calvin's rolling through the countryside. He's describing the weather, and he says, Hopefully they'd have some weeks of spring again soon. Weather and seasons were unpredictable. You never knew how long they would go on, though typically each would last a few weeks. And this, at first glance, is like, okay, that's just fantasy world mumbo-jumbo, but it's actually not. It's a really cool thing that I think Brandon Sanderson has explained in an interview or something, but Roshar is a tidally locked planet. And what that means is that its axis doesn't have a tilt. So the reason we have seasons on Earth is because we're on a tilt. So like in the summer, the northern hemisphere is pointed towards the sun and we get more sun in that summer. If your axis has no tilt, then it's sort of the same all the way around the year and you don't have seasons and it'll just be like large-scale weather patterns are what your, quote, seasons are. So this is describing a real phenomenon that happens on like some planets that scientists have observed. And I think it's so cool. Yeah, wow. Learn something new every day. That is definitely, like, that's my favorite tip that you've given us so far, Anthony. Yes. We could rename this to Truthless, a sarcastic and meteorologically educational Stormlight podcast. (laughs) Maybe we should. Yes, but ooh, we also glossed over chulls a little bit. Uh, Chulls are very cool. Oh my gosh, yes. I love chulls. Yeah. So for all our readers out there. Silly Anthony, you don't read a podcast. For all our listeners out there, chulls are, like everything else on this planet, crabs. But instead of being like a little crab like, or a little bug, they're the size of cows. And they're equivalent to cows in this universe. At some point in this book, they have like a drawing of chulls. And I just, I just think they're great. They're so chill. They're just big crabs. You sit on them and like tap them with a stick to get them to go in the direction you want. It's awesome. Yeah, I'm a I'm a big Chull fan. I think we, we mentioned them in an earlier podcast, and I think, if I didn't, I mentioned they're very comparable to the Pokemon Crustle, uh, which is a crab with a big rock on its back. I, I want to know if this is intentional, but, like, I mean, it, it's a meme out there, but it's a true meme that everything just kind of evolves into crabs over time. Like, scientists have found... Yeah, we've we've mentioned this. Yeah, there's just, like, a million crabs out there. 
But yeah, moving on from giant crabs, um, we get some more Kaladin sass because Tiv, he goes and he sees this 19-year-old, like, jacked only slave that, like, will even talk. And he rips up his map, and then his two mercenaries are like, haha, I ain't helping you, good luck, and dip off to the side to go, you know, do whatever. Tiv is like, okay, I'm gonna have to solve this problem on my own. So he's like, ugh, I have to talk to this slave. So they have a nice little back and forth conversation. And um, I would say Kaladin is not particularly friendly to uh, our nice little slaver Tiv here. I made notes on this whole interaction. It seemed so strange to me. Because they really do have like a witty banter going on for a page or two here. Yeah, definitely. And you think about that, and that's... That's a slaver and a slave. There's no, like, happy chat going on here. It seems super unrealistic, and that, I think, is what bothered me most about this chapter. Really? Yeah. It's, he even says, at the end of this exchange, Kaladin is like, he's talking to Syl, and he says, I didn't say Tiv isn't a bastard. He's just a likable bastard. And I'm like, what? That makes no sense in the context of what you're going through right now. It seems a little more playful than the situation demands. I really like Tiv as a character. I just think he's like, he's kind of like realistic. I just think that he's like, he could be a real person. But like, you know, he's a slaver down on his luck. He has like a real personality. Like he's, you know, like Khaled mentioned, he's likable. He's charismatic. He's very smart. And it's like when I'm reading this conversation, I'm like, dang, like check out this smart, likable character, right? But then, you know, in the back of your mind, you're like, wait, no, fuck this guy. Like he's a slaver. Like this guy's the worst. I don't know. I think that I'm, I I like that Brandon made these characters like not exactly likable, right? Because he's still a slaver. Um, but just, like, realistic, you know? Like, this is a guy that could exist. Like, he's a total stupid dickhead. But he still is a person with thoughts and aspirations and a personality, not just, you know, blind evilness. So it's kind of walking the line between moralities there, which I think is just very interesting. You make a good point. That is definitely interesting. And I appreciate Tiv as a more complex character than just slaver guy. I guess what bothered me is the way Kaladin seems sort of, not cheerful, but he's peppy in a way that his edgy personality and the situation makes me feel like he shouldn't be. Yeah, I don't know. I guess everybody responds to certain stresses differently, right? And the rest of these uh, slaves, you know, obviously are just like, nah, screw this. But Kaladin, like, like I know I talk a lot when I'm, like, nervous sometimes. So it could mm-hmm. be something similar to that. Right? He's like, man, this sucks. They do have a conversation, but Kaladin is like, he's not, like, friendly to him. Right? Like, the first thing he does is rip up his map. And then Kaladin's like, oh, I can help you out. Tell you where to go. And then he's like, okay, find a cliff and then drive right off it. And Tiv is like, haha, very funny. And I was like, haha, that was very funny. Die, slaver. I see what you're saying. Mm-hmm. I'll give it to you. And he doesn't want vengeance. Tiv is like, oh, hatred will keep you strong. Which is just like, all right, man, shut up. And then Calvin's like, I don't want vengeance. Yes, but then very ironically, Tiv mentions the guy who sort of got Kaladin in his predicament. And immediately, Kaladin has an internal monologue. He's like, how do you heard about Amaram? I'll find him. I'll gut him with my own hands. I'll twist his head right off his neck. And we're like, okay, sure. You don't, you don't want vengeance, Kaladin. Okay. <laughs> yeah, that's true. He did say he didn't want vengeance. He just he didn't mention that he didn't want vengeance specifically against Tiv. True. 
And Tip mentions, he's like, men talk. Slavers more than most. How? How do slavers talk more than most? Do they, like, send each other birds? Like, <laughs> I mean, there isn't even, like, there's, like, sky eels. Is there, like, a sky eel slaver network? Or is there, like, some sort of magical, like, Twitter for or Instagram <laughs> that slavers use to talk to each other? Are there, like, taverns that specifically slavers go to? I'm assuming it's that last one. I mean, I guess. Yeah, he does say we must be friends with one another for no one else will stomach us. That's true. And that is a cool point about his character. Like, he recognizes he's not, like, proud of what he's doing. He says no one else will stomach us. We sort of have to band together. He's not pleased with his situation in life. Doesn't make it okay, but... Yeah, I'm sure he is not happy with his life, which is, like, good. Like, like fuck you, man. Like, you picked picked the wrong life. And then we mention Tiv, Tiv isn't a bastard. He's just a likable bastard. The worst kind of bastard. When you kill them, you end up feeling guilty for it. Doing his best, uh, I guess not Batman impression, the Punisher impression. <laughs> yeah. And then we have, so is this our first, I think this is our first time actually living through a high storm, right? Not living, but reading through a high storm. Oh yeah, that's true. So it turns out that these high storms that have been mentioned are super, super, super dangerous. It's like boulders flying all around, lightning striking everywhere. Like, I don't know if people want to have a heart attack. I guess they just get used to it. Yeah. It is an intense description. And then... A description that I like even more is it says after the high storm, all of the plants and animals are sort of coming alive and getting the water. And it's a really pretty description of the cool nature in this world. But they also describe this bug that they call leggers, which are, quote, its hair-like spines lifted to the air, its body lined with dozens of pairs of legs. I'm like, ooh, maybe it's not quite as pretty as I thought. Ugh, yeah, it's like a centipede. Mm-hmm. It probably is just a centipede, because it's called a legger, and it has a lot of legs. Word. Dozens of them, so it's probably just a centipede. I hate centipedes. They're like, oh my god. They're definitely bottom tier for bugs. Whenever? Oh, see, now I... Like, why Why do you have to bring up the legger? Now I'm thinking, whenever I think about centipedes, I think about one, like, crawling up my arm, at, like, really fast, and it's freaking me out. Why would you do that? Why would you put that image into my head and into the heads of all of our listeners? Yeah, because you said centipede. Centipede makes me think of centipedes running up your arm and just like, oh my god. Okay, we need to move on or I'm going to start to cry. Josh, you're fired from the podcast. Oh my god. Next note, next note. Uh... Uh... Hey friends, it's Editing Anthony. And this note is a little different, but I was going along editing and I noticed that Josh and I said uh in the exact same way there. Take a listen. Uh, 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 wow, that's great chemistry and your podcast co-hosts. Now back to the show. Page 80, I have a note on page 80. Okay. It is a cool one too. So Kaladin is talking about how Syl is reacting to the high storms. And he says, she began to step around him in the air, spinning occasionally, dancing to some unheard beat. And the first time I read this, I was like, okay. And then the second time I read this, I was like, oh, unheard beat. That's a thing later in the series. You'll have to read a lot of pages to uh, understand that. But it's nothing major. It's just a nice little detail. I'll talk about it a little bit. In this planet, there's sort of these subconscious rhythms flowing through the world that only certain people can hear. And we don't learn about that for a while. But 
going back and when it says unheard beat or unheard voice you're like oh that's probably what that is something magical yep and then seal mentions that there are others near just people she just says that there is a ton of people coming and kaladin's like oh there's people something that i thought was really interesting is after seal mentioned that he's like does he even care it doesn't matter like if he's just sitting in a cart or if he's actually like you know at like his destination and like being put to work as a slave like it's all kind of the same at this point that's true it is a powerful message but mm-hmm. i think it's undercut a little bit by the way that kaladin is constantly saying i've given up i've accepted my fate and then he does stuff that is not that like i feel like ripping up the map is a good example just that page he was probably like oh i'm just gonna sit in this cart for the rest of however long i don't even care and then as soon as he gets an opportunity to fuck some shit up he does yeah, I think that's just a good example of, like, the body sometimes is, like, has more resolve than the mind. Mm. It's, like, in his head, he's like, oh, this sucks. Like, I give up. But he's still kind of fighting back, even if it's, like, his subconscious fighting back. That's true. And that, I think, is even maybe a symptom of depression. I think mm-hmm. that it's a lot of negative self-talk, you know, you're telling yourself, I can't do anything. And sometimes you may be able to surprise yourself with what you can do, even when you're feeling bad. Man, look at us getting all deep. That's not what they signed up for. <laughs> well, it's an added nugget for them. Mm-hmm. But yes, uh, it turns out that they've arrived at the Shattered Plains, and all the slaves, sort of in contrast, are now like, Oh my gosh, the Shattered Plains, that's the king's army. Perhaps we'll find justice here. I heard everybody lives well. And they're all kind of actually talking for once, and it's like, Oh, well, if only they knew what was about to happen. Yeah. And I just want to talk about the Shattered Plains as a landscape for a second. Mm -hmm. I think it's awesome. It's so creative. The way they describe it is basically just like, imagine a plains biome in Minecraft. (laughs) Or, you know, just like a big, dry, like Mesa, Southwest Desert sort of scene. But on top of that, everything's just cracked. Like there's cracks and fissures all along the ground that open into huge chasms that drop hundreds of feet it's just really well described and very imaginatively yeah i agree it's awesome and it's like we we kind of get into this later but it's like you can actually enter the chasms and like they're filled with plant life because you know the inside the chasms they're protected from the storms and like it's very like cool and like there's lots of cool um art out there of the shattered plains so if you get a chance google some shattered plains art because there's hundreds of talented artists that have done awesome renditions of it indeed and as you were talking about the slaves are all excited because maybe they'll get justice out here something they mention is that slaves are paid like a little bit apparently in alethi lands it's the law that you have to pay slaves like some sort of dreadful minimum wage and the theory is if they work long enough they can pay off their slave debt which is obviously not how it works in practice, but it's an interesting concept, I think. Yeah, well, I think it's just an excuse for some of, like, those light eyes to think, to kind of give a justification for slavery. It's like, oh, it's not slavery. They're getting paid. And it's like, okay, well, that's not a good excuse at all. It's like, all right, get off your high horse. Like, Yeah, and, and Kaladin is not too excited. He recognizes there's no way he's ever going to pay off his slave debt. Yeah, but... Uh, this chapter does end on a nice high note. If there are one thing he still let himself long for, it was a chance to hold a spear, to fight again, to try and find his way back to the man he had been, a man who had cared. 
If you'd find that anywhere, he would find it here. Yeah, it's a good ending to the chapter. And my thoughts on this chapter is that it's just a good chapter. Yeah, very solid. You get to know Kaladin a little better. You have this interesting character in the slaver who I mentioned I find the interaction a little inauthentic, but it's still interesting and gives you something to think about. And it's entertaining, and you get the sense like, ah, we're here. The big juicy stuff is going to come next. He's arrived at his destination. And don't forget the witty banter. Can never forget the witty banter, or the tidally locked system, or the giant crabs. I feel like Brandon always tries to slip in some witty witty banter into all of his books. It's a good skill to have as a writer. I feel like if I ever try to write anything, I I find myself very funny, but I don't think other people necessarily find me funny. (laughs) So... I'd be laughing my ass off, and people would be like, huh? I think you're funny, Anthony. Aw, thanks, Josh. But yeah, I, I agree. I think that writing jokes is a lot harder than just, like, being an idiot with your friends to get them to laugh. Indeed. All right, any concluding thoughts on this? Oh, yes. I actually have one sort of interesting tidbit that I was thinking about. Hit me. Most, lots of the book, for, from Kaladin's point of view, takes place on the Shattered Plains, um, and, you know, because we're reading a book, that important things happen there, right? But mm-hmm. um, I was wondering, who knew, who knows if Kaladin would have ever even ended up on the Shattered Plains if he hadn't become a slave, right? Because hmm. I feel like it would have been very easy for him to be, you know, shunted by jealous light eyes in the military and just, like, you know, doomed to just sit and fight pointless battles and, you know, maybe never get promoted up to the Shattered Plains or, you know, worse, like, die on the battlefield, that's interesting. I feel like, in a way, yeah, because of his character arc, but I also think, considering his character, he's the kind of guy that finds some way to advance. Like That's true. As we're about to see, even when he's put in a slave position, he tries to, you know, he's a determined and hard-headed and edgy <laughs> guy, and I think something interesting would have happened to him, no matter where he ended up. Yeah, very true, very true. Okay, anything else? I don't think so. Shall we move to chapter five? Chapter five. Look at that. There's the little sun setting down icon, and you know it's going to be a snoozer. (laughs) At least it's a kind of short snoozer. Yeah, that's fair. Chapter five. Heretic. We're back to Shallon. As Josh just mentioned, her icon is on the top of the chapter, and that's fine, I suppose. The chapter begins with Shallon entering the palace of Carbranth and seeing Jasna Colon, princess of Alethkar, and sort of the whole reason Shallon is there. Jasna is talking to the king of Carbranth, who appears to have requested Jasna's help with something. Shallon steps up to the conversation and tries to make good on the promise Jasna gave her that she could become her ward, and it turns out that wasn't a promise to become Jasna's ward, but just to meet her, and now she's looking to be convinced to take someone on as ward. As they walk, Jasna grills Shallon about her expertise on every possible topic imaginable, and doesn't seem very satisfied with what she hears. Eventually, they reach a boulder that has fallen out of the structure of the palace and is trapping people, and we learn that this event is why the King of Carbranth requested Jasna's help. She has a soul caster, a powerful device that can be used to change things from one type of matter to another, and Jasna focuses on the boulder and it turns into smoke. She then turns to Shallon, unceremoniously rejects her proposal of worship, and walks away. And the chapter ends with Shallon is first dismayed, but then is determined to not give up so easily. And we learn why. The last line of the chapter reveals that Shallon's goal isn't actually to become Jasna's ward, but to steal her soul caster. 
Alright, so starting off as usual with a nice little epigraph. So I do want to talk about this one, but this one this one isn't as irrelevant as lots of the other ones, we'll say that. Fair. Also not irrelevant is the character of Jaz Nicole and this I mean it's a Shallon chapter, but it's basically here is this character. Learn about her. Here's exposition in this chapter. Well there isn't that much exposition. No, I guess not exposition, but it's Characterization. You're just getting introduced. Yeah, characterization. You're learning who Jasna is and how she functions. And I gotta say, I'm not a fan. I love Jasna, so I'd like to hear why you're not a fan. Oh, just she obviously becomes more complex as the series goes on. But rereading this chapter, I was just like, she's so mean. She's (laughs) self-important and she's rude. And the big thing is, she's talking to the king of Carbranth who we learn his granddaughter is trapped by this boulder. And Jasna's like, hmm, I suppose your price is acceptable. And then she's like dallying. She's the only person in the vicinity who has the power to get this boulder out in time for the granddaughter to not starve to death. And she's like, hmm, I guess. I'll see what I can do. Dude, just be nice. The king's granddaughter is trapped. Okay, alright, first of all, it mentions that they're walking at a brisk pace for an old man, okay? So it's not like they're dilly-dallying. Yeah, he's walking at a fast pace. Jasna's doing a job interview on the side while she's going to her destination. Well, are you, Anthony, would you really leave this poor old man in the dust? Tarvangian is an absolutely (laughs) helpless old man. Okay. Right. Like he is, he has no power or anything. Like he is just a lump. Okay. So, <laughs> you you should you should be more compassionate about our older uh, friends. Okay. Hmm. Um. Yeah. It, we have a lot of you know interviewing back and forth. Uh, there's a description of Jasna, and then we start like the interview process. Oh, wait. right. Let me stop you there because I read the description, and <laughs> this is just a stupid thing that I read, but it says. Uh, Jasna was blah blah blah, tall and slender with clear skin, and I read that today while I was taking notes. And I was like, clear skin? Can you see her bones? Is she translucent? She's a ghost. Actually, what that means is like free of acne, like clear, uh, clean skin. What most normal people thought when they read that. I'm very funny. Yeah, um, but yes. Yeah, so you were talking about how you you didn't like the interview and you thought she was rude, blah blah blah. She was rude. Okay, Anthony, look. Imagine that you are the queen's daughter mm-hmm. for a second here, okay? And not only are you the queen's daughter, you're like a badass and a genius, okay? You do not have time to train a ward that knows nothing. Okay, you are busy, and Jasna is very, very busy. Not only is she doing research on a bunch of very important things, but she's also doing, uh, not queen, princessly duties. She is being a master scholar or whatever. She is removing boulders, trapping helpless old men's daughters, okay? If she is to take on a ward, right, and we learn that there's, she's gotten 12 applications. I think Shalana is the 12th or the 13th. She needs someone who is extremely capable, who is has already a heavy training background in things she thinks is important, and she needs someone that is willing to kind of put up with her personality and someone that doesn't quit. That's why she's rude, 
right? She's like, I don't want someone who, like, when I'm talking quickly and, uh, like, you know, kind of being an asshole, that's just going to quit and be like, turn up their nose and be like, ugh, right? And also she needs to know all these questions because she's not here to give you a pre-K through 6 education, okay? We're here to do real shit and to study, like, crazy uh, shadow bug creatures and Parshendi and save the damn world. Okay, so she needs to make sure that this isn't going to be a waste of time for her. Okay, well, she can be very busy and a genius and good at everything, and she's also going to have no friends because she's rude (laughs) and doesn't take time to get to know people, and everyone's going to hate her. Uh, She mentions at the beginning, uh, Shallon is like, she's surprised that Jasna's pretty because she says, how else could one picture a heretic well into her mid-30s and still unmarried? You know why she's well into her mid-30s and still unmarried? Because she's mean, and no one <laughs> likes her. Okay, well, now that you mention it, that is kind of a fair point. She does seem to not have too many friends. Would you rather be a busy genius or a person with friends? I know which one I'm choosing. Oh, God. That is actually a, an amazing moral dilemma. Uh, DM us, guys. Would you rather be a friendless genius or a normal person with friends? Dang. Dang it. See, I was here and I knew that you were going to diss Chasna. And I was like, okay, like I'm going to say all these things and convince him to come to my side. But I'd rather have friends, too. Mm. Dang it. Your argument is weak, Josh. Yeah. But I mean, still, it's like that—that's why she's like curt with people. No, I understand. And she's, yeah, she's too busy for friends. She's you know studying stuff. And that is sort of the characterization we get throughout this chapter. Like she appears to have read every book that's ever been written. She is a serious, hard-working, uh, nose-to-the-grindstone kind of princess, and that's not necessarily what you expect in a princess. And that is cool in and of itself. But if I was there and I was Shallon, I'd be like, I, peace, I'm not dealing with you. Well, see, exactly, exactly. That's her goal, right? She wants people to just be like, oh, I don't want to do this. Because that means perfect. They waste the time, whatever. Get them out of here. Okay, yeah, I, I will I, I will concede that the wild goose chase part, it kind of a dick move. Oh, yeah. Right, so for our listeners, what happens is that Shallon has been chasing Jasna all over, like, the southern coast of this continent. And she finally catches up and is like, oh, I'm so glad I got to you before you left. And Jasna's like, I'm impressed by your tenacity. I didn't expect you to follow me this far. I expected to lose you a couple stops ago. So you do learn that Jasna's just been leading her on a goose chase. And that's so inconsiderate. Maybe, like, this poor family's only chance to try to get ahead in life is sending a word to Jasna Colon. And she makes them waste, like, a small fortune traveling the countryside just to talk to her, and then probably rejects them anyway? Not nice. Yeah, that's definitely fair. But again, you know, she's, like, a very important person, and, like, she wants to make sure that her time isn't wasted. So she's like, ha I will make them travel and spend. Well, I guess also, um, on the other hand, if somebody's applying to be Jasmine's ward, they can probably afford a wild goose chase from the monetary side. That's true. That's probably true. I understand that there's reasoning behind all this. I just don't like it. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. I Jasmine is definitely one of my favorite characters in the Stormlight Archive. 
Uh, I just think she's just, like, such a badass. Like, she's just so cool. She's super smart. She just, like, kicks ass. She can freaking turn rock into smoke. She's like, yeah, screw the church. I'm off doing my own thing. Prove it. That's the simplification of her argument to the church. She's like, nah, I don't buy it. Prove it to me. And they're just like, oh, no, you have to believe. And she's like, I don't give a rat's ass about your church. Call me a heretic. See if I care. Now, Josh, you make good points. But again, would you rather turn rocks into smoke or have friends? Okay, see, that one. Like, the other one, I was like, I'd rather have friends. But, dude... Being able to turn stuff into smoke would be pretty cool. That would be kind of cool if you're right. Yeah, I'd be, like, the government would make me very, very rich, probably, <laughs> to, like, do stuff. That one is a, a bit harder. Well, actually, no. If I could turn rocks into stone, I would not go to the government. That's not how you maximize profit. I'd start a business and uh, charge ridiculous prices because I control the entire rock-to-stone market. Uh, probably go into construction for easy excavation and just turn stuff into smoke. And I'd like. And then you could buy friends. Charge ridiculous amounts of money. Yeah, because excavation is expensive. Um, I don't think I've mentioned this, but I'm actually like getting my degree in civil engineering, uh, and a huge part of what I'm focusing on is like construction management. And like getting projects done is very, very, very expensive. And if I could charge, you know. Like, just a little bit less than what businesses charge for excavation. But, you know, it takes me, like, one second to do it because I just touch it and it turns to smoke. Then I would be the the most in-demand excavation team in the entire world and I'd keep all of the profits and I could use those profits to buy friends. Well, I hope that business plan works for you. Yeah. One more thing I want to mention is in this interview that Jasna does with Shallon, she asks about so many things. Apparently, to be awarded to Josna Colon, you not only have to be like Einstein level of science, but also a professional musician and like also Picasso and also like a political science genius. Oh, come on, Anthony. She didn't care about the art because Shall- Shallon's baller at art and she was like, I don't care about art. Oh, you're right. She didn't care about the art. But it is, it makes me wonder like, all these things are qualifications to be a scholar. And it's like all the things. All scholars are women. So, and it leads me to wonder, do guys do anything? Yeah, yeah, that's a good point. And now that I'm thinking about it, like, I made, I made the point to you that art, but isn't music, like, I feel like that would kind of be in the same vein as art, right? She was like, oh, art isn't like, I, I'm interested in scholarship, right? But like, like, music, how does that relate to scholarship? Exactly, yeah. That's her first test, too. Jasmine's like, okay, what's your training in music? And Sean's like, uh, I, I can sing. And she's like, bet, sing me this hymn from XBC. And Sean's got to be like, oh, okay. It's definitely surprised me that that was the first test. And frankly, that, that was the test at all. Because Jasna does say, oh, history is important. Art is not. But I don't know. Maybe she's just being a dick. <laughs> yeah yeah god now i'm really thinking about that brandon really should have not added in that music part so i guess you know what that is anthony that's another win for truthless brandon sanderson in shambles after another crushing defeat <laughs> we continue to score points yes at this point i think it's two to nothing at least yeah but uh okay unless you have any more comments to make oh i'll also just mention last chapter i mentioned how uh Sill was dancing to an unheard beat. 
And in this chapter, when Josna does the thing where she turns the rock into smoke, the description is that it sounds like some ethereal tone, like a bunch of unseen voices singing. And then twice in two chapters, we have like, ah, that's the sort of tone and music thing. And you don't learn about that for three and a half books. <laughs> yeah, you definitely paid more attention to the sound stuff than I do. Well, I am a music major. I like. I was just like, ah, oh, whatever. Music sounds. Eh. I like. I like the smoke because I was like, ooh, pretty magic. Like, ooh, excavation opportunity. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I was like, hey, that a lucrative business opportunity. Let's see how I can maximize on this. Capitalism Josh versus uh, music major Anthony. <laughs> and I suppose just to round out this chapter, we should mention the big reveal at the end is that Shallon's not actually trying to be a ward. She's just trying to steal the Soulcaster. And I wish we could say more about that, but it's literally the last sentence. So we go, huh? I wonder why. And that's it. Mm -hmm. I wonder if she is the liar, a young woman who wears a scholar's mantle over the heart of a thief. I can't imagine. Yeah, no, that's probably someone else. <laughs> but, okay, um, unless you have anything else. That does it for me. Okay, awesome. Well, um, once again, I would like to thank all of you so much for joining us. And again, the reception on the last episode was so amazing, and we appreciate it so much. Yes, please continue to listen and reach out via Instagram or Twitter at Truthless Pod, or email us at truthlesspod at gmail.com with all of your hot takes, thoughts, would you rather have friends or be a genius, all of these things. We want to hear them and talk about them. Yes, uh, and keep an eye on Reddit because I'll be posting um, updates. Whenever we release a new episode, I'll make a post on Reddit. Fantastic. And as they say in the Stormlight Archive, life before death. Strength before weakness. Journey before destination. Ooh, we haven't done the whole thing yet. Thanks for listening to Truthless. Truthless is hosted by Anthony Murphy Nielsen and Josh Umbrell. It is edited by Anthony Murphy Nielsen. The social media is run by Josh Umbrell. The art is by Josh Umbrell, and the music is from a royalty-free music website, but is edited and changed a tad by Anthony Murphy Nielsen. As we said, check us out on Instagram and Twitter at TruthlessPod and email us at truthlesspod at gmail.com. See you next time.